0: Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of December 21st, 2023, including... Bobby Kotick is officially leaving Activision, and with that comes further leadership changes for Xbox. A big leak for one of PlayStation's most prominent studios explains why Xbox won't be getting any X-Men love in the near future. A research firm is estimating that Xbox Series consoles are being outsold by PlayStation 5 nearly three to one and more. this day in Xbox history, in the year 2013, 10 years ago, Zombie Defense Squad was released as an Xbox Live Indie game on the Xbox 360 worldwide. Me neither. I, I don't know this game. It's. I mean, it's no one releases games around this time of year, so the fact that we even have anything to touch back to and reference at all is astonishing to me, so no disrespect to the developers and fans of Zombie Defense Squad. I just don't know what the heck this game is, so... Uh, happy 10-year anniversary to this game. I can't believe 2013 was 10 years ago, but we don't have to get into that just yet. I know I, every every episode, it's like, oh, I can't believe 2016 was so long ago. I can't believe 2008 was 57 years ago. Okay, let's, let's try to enjoy it. We're nearing the end of 2023, naturally, next week, with it being the last episode of the, of the year. Uh, with it just being that kind of reflective time of year, everyone's going to be like, wow, it went by so fast, 2023. Unless you're like four years old. Because I remember being a little kid and thinking that a year took like five years to go by. So if if you were like five or six years old in 2023, 20, uh, uh, you, you were probably just like, wow, finally 2023 is over. I can't believe how long it's been. I went to second grade. Uh, I tripped one time on the school bus. I left my lunch at home and had to buy a school lunch. A girl in my class told me I smell bad. Yep, and that was it. And now I'm and now and now I'm five years older because that's how long it took to get through this year. I miss it. Those are all real experiences that happened to me. Please feel bad for me. Please, please uh, send your thoughts and prayers to seven-year-old me. Anyway, whatever you're saying. Oh yeah, welcome to Xbox on you guys. It is the penultimate episode of 2023 we're getting there i want to just bring up at the top of the show next week's show with it being the last episode of the year um brings uh one of my favorite my, my favorite reoccurring things we do on this show where the last episode of the year we go through our kind of game of the year esque episode but we don't do the typical like my game of the year is Baldur's gate kind of thing instead it's going to be just kind of a fun show i got a special guest coming on uh and then we'll go through you know our our list of favorite games we played this year. We'll talk about all kinds of things. Um, we'll talk about Xbox. We'll talk about other video games. Just talking about it's just a, it's an opportunity to kind of reflect on the year and just celebrate the fun experiences we had. It doesn't have to be all Xbox specific in terms of what games we played. We can celebrate some great Switch games, some great PlayStation games, some great games on other platforms. We can talk about. Of course, the great Xbox games that came out this year. Spoiler alert, I'm definitely going to be gushing about some Starfield. You can bet your butt on that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it'll be a fun episode, and then we'll, we'll talk about some other stuff. Probably just dick off, get off topic, talk about movies, uh, probably talk about theme park smells, top five favorite theme park smells of 2023. Of course, what kind of Xbox podcast would we be if we didn't have that conversation? So just want to put that out there. That that will be next week's episode. And if you want to get in on it, because I love involving audience with i mean every episode but in particular this episode uh, please go to youtube.com click on the latest episode of the podcast of xbox on and drop a comment with your top five favorite games you played in 2023 and then we can read your answers on the show and like we do every year we'll tally up the game sorry the games that occurred that that reoccurred the most on everyone's lists and kind of rank the top three most uh, beloved games from the Xbox on community kind of like we do every year and just uh, just celebrate some you know fun a fun 12 months that it has been of of plenty of great games so write in if you feel so inclined to participate in that feel free to just listen in if you want to see what all that is like next week next Thursday when that goes live but yeah if you haven't noticed this show doesn't take a break I know Christmas New Year's this guy tells his family Fuck off, family. Okay, I got an Xbox podcast with like 170 people who listen to it mostly all the time, and we got to get this podcast out to them because what are they gonna be doing? You know, it's it's a it's a major holiday. I don't want let's let's say that someone in the audience is named Ned. I don't want Ned to have to drive to his in-laws' house on Christmas morning, a three and a half hour drive, because that's exactly how far away uh, Ned's Ned's. Um, mother-in-law lives and you know he's, he's 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 going crazy he's thinking about how he doesn't like his mother-in-law it's christmas morning his son's a little pissed off in the back seat because he didn't get a puppy slash playstation 5 slash uh, tesla for christmas and so he's got that going on but thankfully a new episode of xbox on went on went up this week so he has that to listen to and to and to help him ease this this long drive to the in-laws house so that's what I'm here for I'm here to make your holidays just a little bit brighter maybe add a little bit of a maybe if uh, maybe if someone's significant other boyfriend girlfriend husband wife whatever is in the background and they hear this show and they're like what the fuck are you listening to maybe I spark a little bit of a rift between you and your partner maybe I'm the reason why Your partner leaves you. They say, this is exactly why I can't stand to be with you in this relationship. Dave slash Dan slash Ned. Ned is the name I came up with. It's because you listen to this nonsense. How are you 37 years old and you're going to listen to this guy talk about what he's been eating every goddamn week like it's your fucking dietitian or something. You can't do this. I can't be with a man like this. This isn't healthy for me. I got to go out there and live my life for me before I look back at age 60 saying, what did I do? I gave my best years to this man who listens to this podcast. That's absolutely insane. And, and if I if I can be the guy to help that help help that that thing happen in your life, I just want to say you're welcome. Because any person that would leave you over something like that clearly doesn't have your best interests at heart, and clearly doesn't love you the way I do. Which is, I guess, just my way of saying that everyone who listens to Xbox on is uh, is my child, is my is my is is my son, and I just want to hold you all in my arms and let you know daddy's here. So that's a kind of roundabout way of saying a uh, Merry Christmas and happy new Years, all you guys. So yeah, Xbox on an Xbox podcast, certainly not the number one Xbox podcast, but one of the Xbox podcasts. Normally this is the, Part of the show where we talk about the notable game releases of the week, but unless you're the developers of Zombie Defense Squad, you probably know better than to release a brand new game uh, just days before Christmas. So that's not happening. We're not talking about that this week. We probably won't really have anything to say there for a couple weeks, uh, which gives us the opportunity to just just steamroll right on ahead. Uh, to the the mildly amusing stories, stories of mild amusement. Yes, as a reminder, it is that time of year where there's just not a whole lot of news to talk about. Although I I must say, I was doing the notes for the podcast last night, Tuesday night, and I was like perusing the usual suspects, Windows Central, VGC, Verge, IGN, just looking like is there any any big story that happened this week? I'm actually a little bit surprised how much news we have to talk about. Now, this isn't like a jam-packed news week by any stretch of the imagination. But for December, a show that goes up December 21st, just four days away from Christmas. I'm actually pretty impressed with how much news we do have to talk to. And not only that, but the quality of this news. Like we had some moderately important stories to talk about here. So it's not it's not nothing. You know, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be like, guys, um, this week in Xbox News, it was announced that if you pre-order the deluxe edition of Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, you'll get a statue of that one shark guy. Um, posing with a middle finger up in the air because he just don't care thankfully we got some actual news talking about a different big fat sea serpent shark uh, in the form of Bobby Kotick so we'll get to that in a little bit but we like to start off at the beginning of the show with the Mildly Amusing Stories updates from last week and Stories of Mild Amusement starting with Obsidian which is uh, I almost said objectively which is potentially uh, potentially Xbox's best developer these days Uh, let's get into this Talking about something from uh, Chris Avalon of Obsidian. From VGC, Bethesda has reportedly turned down multiple proposals from Obsidian to develop more Fallout games as well as an Elder Scrolls spinoff. That's according to Obsidian co-founder and former chief uh, creative officer Chris Avalon. Avalon? I'm going to say Avalon. Who revisited the subject this past week after he told, uh, after on on Twitter uh, a thread resurfaced, Uh, via via eighty level. I don't know what that means. Obsidian's sole Fallout game was 2010's New Vegas, although the studio once hoped to develop more more series entries as well as to make a game in Bethesda's fantasy RPG series. Uh, But according to Avalon, uh, various pitches from the studio he left uh, in 2015 were rejected. That is true, he said. One of the Elder Scrolls proposals, which I pitched, was intended to serve as the same function as Fallout New Vegas uh, and what it did between Fallout 3 and 4 to provide more adventures in the setting during the years before the next Bethesda release. The last mainline Fallout game was 2015's Fallout 4. And the most recent non-mobile series entry was 2018's Fallout 76. Now, I must say, this, this anecdote, while not, like, insanely shocking, although I do find it quite interesting to think that Obsidian expressed or pitched ideas for an Elder Scrolls spinoff. I don't know why that sounds so surprising to me. It sounds like something right up Obsidian's wheelhouse, but I don't don't know, man. It's like, if we could have gotten Elder Scrolls New Vegas, I feel like that could have been truly one of the great open-world single-player action RPGs of all time, so... That that just seems like a massive missed opportunity. But with that comment aside, I do feel like this lends a little bit of credibility to that that theory that circulates from time to time. Although I think this is more a joke than anything. It, you know, it's kind of said in jest, but maybe there is a little bit of credibility to that notion that a lot of why Obsidian never did another Fallout game or worked on another uh, Bethesda game or Bethesda franchise following Fallout New Vegas is because Bethesda got insecure that people were just going to like Obsidian's version of Fallout or Elder Scrolls more than Bethesda's version, because it just blows my mind that after all these years, after Fallout 4 being a big hit, but not, you know, what Fallout 3 was, and after Starfield being a, a commercial success and a, and a moderate critical success, but, you know, not fail, not just absolutely failing to Capture the world's attention in the ways that games like Star, um, uh, Skyrim or Fallout Three did. It, it it does become more and more evident that maybe Obsidian just feels or or Bethesda feels a little insecure that Obsidian are a little more capable than they are. And while I don't think that's necessarily true, it's just like this doesn't really uh, do anything to dispel that that theory because I mean, why why wouldn't you want Obsidian to make You know, another Fallout game after Fallout 4, especially because it's going to take you 35 years to make another Fallout. You know, why wouldn't you let Obsidian make uh, an Elder Scrolls spinoff game while, you know, over the course of the 10 years that you're just re-releasing Skyrim again and again and again and again? I, I can understand and very much respect if Obsidian means to come from a perspective more so of like, no, it's just that these games are our babies and we want to make you know we want to be the arbiters of this IP and this story i can respect that cuz you know as a creative i feel like i would be much the same where it's like well no this is you know the elder scrolls is my baby i want to be the one you know if you're Todd Howard i want to be the one to oversee the franchise and the one to 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 lead development of the next entry i don't really want to give it to someone else even though i'm more than sure that you guys would do a great job making one of these games it's just that this is kind of our thing. We don't really want to share it with everyone else. And in the sense of like, just let anyone and everyone make their own, their own game, you know? So I can understand it from that perspective, but like following the success of Fallout new Vegas, you know, just knowing how incredibly capable obsidian is knowing how long it's taking you guys to make any game that you work on. And, and just to be clear, that's not a complaint. I'd rather Bethesda take their sweet ass time and make, fewer great games than just a bunch of mid games um why why wouldn't you want obsidian to do another new vegas or make a spinoff in the elder scrolls franchise i don't i don't know man that just just seems kind of crazy to me but fun little uh i guess a little little appetizer or uh what's it a mouj bouche or a- aperitif what, what does it mean no not aperitif that's alcohol Whatever, a little a little bite, a little bite to amuse the palates as we uh, head into the appetizer, which is our next story. One that I'm just very excited about because coming off of the Game Awards, this is still by far the announcement that had me the most hype, which was Sega's announcement of not one, not three, not four, but five classic Sega IP that are being brought back with new entries on the way. And uh, we got a little bit more information on that. Uh, From VGC, Sega's provided some new details about its recently announced reboots of five classic series at the Game Awards this month. The company said it was developing new entries in the Jet Grind, sorry, Jet Set Radio, although I call it Jet Grind Radio. So was the Xbox One Jet Grind, was the Dreamcast one, but whatever. Jet Set Radio, Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, Shinobi, and Crazy Taxi series. In a slide presentation during a management meeting last week, Sega provided a few additional details on the upcoming games, which were described as follows. So for Crazy Taxi, the little tag, the little descriptor they put was innovative and fresh style, driving action, cheerful feeling of freedom, cross fusion of nature and city, peel out the new stage uh, of Crazy City. So I think Crazy City is probably that environment we saw, I guess, in the in the trailer briefly. Um, but I'm you know innovative and fresh style, driving action. It definitely looks like they're playing with the formula of this game quite a bit, ju- judging by that gameplay we saw. And they said, Cheery Feeling of Freedom plus Fusion, Nature and City. Is this going to be an open world thing? Are they going to do open world Crazy Taxi? Do we need that? What is what is that? Crazy Taxi's timed. I never played Crazy Taxi 2 or 3 or any of those. I know they were on. Um, there were some sequels to Crazy Taxi on Dreamcast and PS2. I never played any of them. I only know Crazy Taxi from the original game on Dreamcast plus the arcade cabinet. So I, I, I could you make this open world? Is that what? Speaking of open world, uh, for Jet Set Radio, they put uh, as a description, counterculture, Tokyo Street, open world. Remember, this is all being translated from Japanese. Counterculture, Tokyo Street Open World, experience the rebellion movement that feels uh, free in a suffocating society. Make friends, increase your fans, and create movement. Uh, create a movement. That sounds like uh, that sounds like a spirit. That sounds like a a natural evolution of what Jet Grinder Radio was. So that one actually makes sense. It se- it seems like they're going to try to add some kind of like um. Uh, it, well, it just seems like they're tweaking what it was already. You know, build a following. I wonder if it's going to be like. Uh, like a Tony Hawk game, build a, build a following, build your skate career. Um, whatever. I, I would, I would welcome a jet grind radio game that just basically apes the campaigns from Tony Hawk games and puts them in the style of a jet grind radio game. I'll take it. So that, that just sounds like jet, jet grind radio to me, uh, for Shinobio uh, for Shinobio, <clears throat> sorry, I, I'm a little sick this week. I have a, I have a head cold, so I'm having a hard time speaking English uh, more so than usual for shinobi uh, although that's the stupid thing to say because uh, shinobi is, is is Japanese so also having a hard time speaking Japanese please on the SMSI. shinobi they they wrote as a description slay the enemies in the silence of the moment run through the oh, run through the world of shinobi full of monsters and ninja actions grab oborozuki the legendary sword and slay evil once more your clan and the world are counting on you that sounds like it explains very little about the gameplay and more about the synopsis of the game, so I feel like I have nothing to say to this, but I also feel like there's nothing to say about this game other than it is a 2D side scrolling action game that looks beautiful, I just love the fucking art style. For Golden Axe, they said, warriors arise to subdue the demons. Definitely Japanese. Uh, Defeat your enemies with various uh, attacks and swords of magic, the legendary story about the battle axe. Golden Axe is about to begin uh again just sounds like more of a synopsis and less of a less of a description of what the gameplay will be uh but again Battle Axe or Golden Axe I assume it will just be a, a a 3D action brawling kind of not brawler but you know like beat em up like yeah like the Marvel Ultimate Alliance series but Golden Axe Streets of Rage Revolution beloved side scroll this is the last one beloved side scrolling beat them up action series okay that explains what the game is. Take control of one of the ex-officers and make the city a place where people are no longer have to walk the streets of rage. I feel like we got some um, some explanation with those first few and then it just started being like the back of the box kind of uh, description. Um, regardless, it just seemed like for the most part these are all pretty spiritually in line with what these games were. Although I'm a little curious about what they're doing in Crazy Taxi. That one was also the one that looked the weirdest in the trailer where I was like, they're really taking liberties with what the formula of Crazy Taxi was. I wonder if it's just because Jack and Radio was very much a console game. Shinobi is very much a console game. Golden Axe and Streets of Rage, while perfect arcade games are those kinds of arcade games that translate very well to home console. Whereas Crazy Taxi is very much an arcade game. While the first Crazy Taxi, you know, I think translated well to the consoles of the time, like the second Dreamcast and have translated well as like Xbox Live arcade games or iPhone apps and things like that. Um, the formula of Crazy Taxi maybe doesn't hold its weight in, in a way that would like justify a brand new from the ground up reimagined new entry in the series for current gen consoles. And so maybe they feel like there's kind of a need to evolve that formula to, ma- to be able to justify creating not not a, a a port of an old arcade game or a new arcade cabinet, but rather a brand new console experience in the Crazy Taxi IP. So I, I kind of get it, but I'm I'm a little cautious on that one because I love Crazy Taxi, but I'm like, what do you, what are you doing with this? So let's see. I'm I'm open to it. I'm not I'm not so in love with what Crazy Taxi is that I don't think you can create something new and call it Crazy Taxi and have it be great. So. Not necessarily opposed to it. Just, I'm just curious. What, what the hell is that? Innovative and fresh style driving action. That's what they say. All right, and we have one more story of mild amusement to go through before we uh, get into the main run of the podcast. And unfortunately, this one is uh is some some sad news. But obviously, I had to pay respect, so I thought we put this in here. Um, from VGC, James McCaffrey, the voice of Max Payne, has passed away at the age of 65. McCaffrey, who previously provided the voice—or sorry, who, who provided the voice of Max Payne for all three games in the series, and also provided his likeness for the character in Max Payne 3, reportedly died on Sunday, surrounded by friends and family, following a battle with cancer. As well as his role as Max Payne, McCaffrey also starred in Remedy's *Game Control*, uh, in which he played the Federal Bureau of Control Director, Z- um, Zachariah Trench. Most recently. McCaffrey provided the voice of Alex Casey in Alan Wake 2, a character whose physical appearance was portrayed by Remedy's Sam Lake. Lake was also the model for Max Payne in the first game, bringing McCaffrey's involvement with Remedy full circle before his passing. Actor Kevin Dillon uh, had posted a message on Instagram earlier in the week saying, Rest in peace, James McCaffrey. We were lucky to have known you. My best friend, you will be missed. So obviously, really sad stuff. Not much to say about this Uh other than I just wanted to you know bring attention to this because gotta show respect for people who contribute to the games you love and this is of course especially timely because Alan Wake Two just came out a month or two ago and it is a wonderful wonderful game that I love very much it's one of my favorite games I've one of my favorite new releases that I've experienced um, all year and it sucks because James McCaffrey while not a, a name I've been familiar with and like a person I followed in any way. Um, He's clearly a person who's had some kind of impact in the games I've loved and played because I I love Max Payne, I love Alan Wake, I love Control, I love uh, Alan Wake 2. So, clearly this man has been a part in all those games I've loved and all these excellent Remedy games, and he's been in other things as well, but of course he's most well-known in the game space for his contribution to these various uh, Remedy games and, and Max Payne 3, of course, which is a Rockstar game. And so... Sad as shit. Sixty five is way too young. Um, of course, it's cancer. It's always fucking cancer, and we just continue to pretend like uh, cancer is not curable. But that's a different discussion that we don't need to have over uh, a conversation about this passing of an actor. So, just want to put that out there. I always think you gotta you should always pay respect to the people who help bring the games you love to life. And you know, as a, as a, as the as someone who played a prominent role in pretty much all of Remedy's best games, uh, except for Quantum Break, it seems. You know, rest in peace, man. It sucks. Shitty. It's really shitty time to go, man. Especially before the holidays. That's gotta be so freaking hard on your family. So, all right. So that's gonna do it for all the opening news stories. Next, we move into the main news stories of the week. But before we do, I you know take a little break, talk about the games we've been enjoying this week, um, which I intend on doing. So, but before I can tell you about the games I've been playing this week, I gotta stop everything I'm doing and tell you about what I've been eating. And this week, I don't have. A particular item that I, I need to draw attention to, but it is it is um it must be said, right, that this, this time of year, there's something to it. I know it's tired, I know people say it all oh, those those holiday pounds, oh man, you gotta, you know, lose that weight. New Year's resolution, blah, blah, blah. There is something about this time of year where you just you just put on a little extra weight and you gotta work extra hard to try and avoid. All the uh, all the sinful treats and and, uh, and, and 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 indulgent food offerings that that follow you around, and I'm I'm feeling this ever more so as I uh, as I comfortably settle into my adult lifestyle of you know I, I don't go to school anymore. I got the day job. I go into the office. I work in an office. I sit at a computer all day, and all those kinds of things. And it's just, it's just so true. People, it's that time of year. Someone will stop by the office, just coming by to bring some cookies and that kind of shit. And it's just like, I can just not bring, you know, if I want to be that bad, I could just not even like pack a sandwich or anything for for work, you know, the past week or two. Because it's just, there's just always someone bringing fucking cookies or some chocolates or like, oh, it's a holiday cake. Or look, I brought these, these pastries in. And it's just, and it's always something that's just sugar, right? And, um i find it challenging this time of year man and and then when you're not being constantly distracted and and tempted by the treats and the donuts and the cookies and all the shit everywhere it's like oh well it's it's cold outside it's the holidays we should gather around with people and have big excessive meals so on top of that it's just a great time to like not go outside not go for a walk not do exercise eat that cookie at work go home make a big fucking pot roast and mashed potatoes and and get fat and then uh you know it's it, it gets it gets dark a little earlier outside so let's not go for an evening walk let's just stay inside and watch a 47 youtube 47 minute youtube documentary explaining how microwaves work because apparently now that's something you're super interested in it's like this is the kind of shit that happens where it's like why why why, why is this happening to me and then you notice oh god my my belt's getting a little tighter and you go, I remember 10 years ago, I thought I'd be a rock star, that I'd be touring fucking Europe playing guitar. And now here I am 10 years later, just worried about how I'm going to get my fucking third notch on my belt to connect. It's a little bit of a, a sad realization. You're like, wow, here I am. I'm just a, I'm just some fat guy just because, because Donna brought fucking brownies into the office. And, you know, I don't have enough autonomy and uh, I, I can't take enough responsibility for my own actions to just say, hey, thanks for bringing the brownies, and then make the decision on your own not to eat them. So here I am blaming Donna because I'm fat now. It's all her fault, and she's the reason why I never, uh, I never dated that one girl I had a crush on in middle school that ended up being um, Hannah Montana or something. And then, and then, and then now I'm a nobody, and and for a living I do expense reports, and she travels the world telling the life, telling people that nobody's perfect. You live and you work it again and again until you get it right, and then. It's the holidays. So just want to just want to give a shout out to the holidays. It's crazy. He even here in Florida, man, it's crazy, too, because I would have never believed this. But even in Florida around this time of year, it's just like, yep, it's dark at 524 p.m. And oh, yep, I uh, it's it's surprisingly for some reason it, every year in Florida since I moved here. It's like it just gets really cold around Christmas and New Year's just just because it's supposed to be. And then it goes back to being summer all the time. So, like, you know, like two weeks ago. Sweating my ass off, wearing shorts, flip flops. It's all good. It's Florida. And come January fourth, don't get me wrong, I'll be right back at the beach. But uh, for some reason, the past few days, impending Christmas, it's been like hoodie weather here. I mean, it's not like freezing. You know, to all you people up up north and, and other places and listening at in the tundra. I, I know it's much worse in other parts of the of the world, but it's kind of it's kind of fucking cold here. And it gets dark at like one twenty seven p.m. So. Anyway, shout out to brownies. Shout out to Sam's Club. They got a good uh, cookie platter that I bought, so I could I could give my new neighbors. It's perfect. We got um, we went to the Sam's Club. We got this giant like twenty dollar platter of cookies. It has like six types of cookies and like tons and tons of them. And so this is what you do. This is this is how you justify having a Sam's Club membership if you live in a household where it's just you and one other person. You buy the 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 box of 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 cookies for twenty bucks. That comes with like sixty seven cookies or whatever it is. And then you get these little tins at the dollar store, and you put a mo- most but not all of the cookies in these tins. And then you go to the houses next door to you, and you, ha- you knock on the door, and you say, Hi, we're the new neighbors. Here are some cookies. Please don't let your dog shit in our driveway. Right? A little passive way of being like, Hey, we're nice. Don't fuck with us, please. And then you're like, Oops, just so happen to have 17 leftover Sam's Club cookies. And they got freaking chocolate chip peanut butter. They got s'mores. You know they got the fucking pecan praline, whatever the hell this is, this, the the sandy donut thing. What I don't know what the f- these flavors are, and they're all good. And then you know you're trying to you're like, oh, it's podcast night. Let me just throw together a quick salad. That'll be quick, easy, and healthy. I'll have some grilled chicken and salad. Doesn't fucking matter if you're gonna eat three cookies before and after the salad, dumbass. So that's it for what I've been eating, you guys. Is it is it an eventful way to do our final what I've been eating of the year? Well, not really. We probably won't talk about what I've been eating next week because next week's podcast is going to be very different, very different kind of show. So we'll, we won't have the traditional format. So I'm just realizing right now I'm I'm ending the year on a what I've been eating that is basically just defeatist, gluttonous, and um, yeah, and sad man, and it's just pathetic, man. Anyway, it doesn't all have to be that way, because uh, let's move on to what I've been playing, which isn't defeatist which isn't sad. It is no, in no way me, as an almost 30-year-old, just trying to relive my childhood, because I've been playing Halo the Hedgehog and Sonic the the Sonic the Sonic Spartan this week. Um, I'm actually playing the exact same, the exact two games I was playing uh, the week before. Um, I haven't had too much time to play video games this week, because, again, still is just, like, trying to figure out how to freaking. Put a plunger and toilet plunger in the bathroom or something, you know, trying to make the house look like a house. So hang a picture of a cat on a wall, put a toilet plunger in a guest bathroom, that kind of thing. Um, But when I have had time to play games, well, at first I tried to go back to Modern Warfare 3 because I said, dude, you put 70 bucks into this game. You played the campaign, beat it. You played multiplayer for like a good week. And then you move and you just haven't really gotten back to this game after that like week and a half of playing it. So, you know, I want to get my time in with the game. I want to get my money's worth. Let me get back to this. I just I can't get back into Modern Warfare 3, man. I don't know what it is. Because, again, despite the fact that I think the campaign is absolute horseshit, um, it's actually like it's actually disgraceful how bad that campaign is. And I know I know Sledgehammer kind of got dealt a shitty hand. They were thrown into this without really wanting to do it and given like no time to figure it out. They really did put out the absolute most dog shit campaign ever. And that's and that's really saying something considering that a few years ago they put out what was at the time the most dog shit call of duty campaign with Vanguard. So I mean they're they're two for two right now. But despite that, like I really do like this game's multiplayer. I don't like it's not the best call of duty multiplayer, but it is pretty good, and I, I feel like it's worth playing. Like it's not like if you buy Call of Duty just for the multiplayer, you're one of those guys. I don't think Modern Warfare 3 is necessarily a bad investment. Like, it's, you can have a good time. But for some reason, it's just not it's not clicking. I guess there's something wrong with me. Because I had so much fun playing Modern Warfare 2 last year. And while all the COD, COD community were just bitching and moaning about how bad MW2 was, I was enjoying the hell out of it. And now that we have Modern Warfare 3 and everyone's like, finally, they fixed movement. Finally, some good maps. I'm just like, I'm not really feeling it. So, I tried to get back into Modern Warfare 3. But I just fell back in my old ways of going to Halo Infinite because I, the new firefight mode on Halo Infinite is so good, and uh, and the Halo Three throwback playlist on on Halo Infinite is so good, and just Halo Infinite in general with what they've done to the game, the way they've rebalanced it, the new things they've added to it, the new the later maps, all the battle passes I have to catch up on, like the the fact that you finally have a Spartan rank in the game, thank God. Halo Infinite is the game I wanted it to be in November 2021. And, um, while it's frustrating that it took so long to get here, all I can say now is I'm enjoying it. I'm having fun with it. And I just, um, this is really the best place to be in with Halo. This is kind of the, the way I used to enjoy Halo five during the, uh, Xbox one years where it's just like, it's just this game. I'm always playing in the background. And I guess lately in the past few years, it's really been call of duty. That's been that game, but I, I, I want it to be Halo and it used to historically mostly be Halo for me. And, Right now, I don't know if it's just a phase, but whatever it is, I'm leaning into it, I'm enjoying it, but it just feels like Halo is that game again for me, where it's just the game I'm constantly playing in the background. It's like, right now I'm playing this game and some Halo on the side, you know? And uh, that game that I'm mostly playing is Sonic Superstars, but, you know, it's just so nice to have, yeah, let me play, like, three matches of multiplayer before, you know, it's like, I got home from work, I made dinner got ready for bed, did some laundry, did this, spent some time with the girlfriend, pet the cat, did the thing. It's 9.30, I got to start getting to bed, that kind of thing. It's like, let me just let me just play 30 minutes of Halo, okay? Let me just get a couple matches in. It's that kind of thing. And it's like, it feels really good to have that relationship with Halo again, where it's like that thing that's just always there. I'm always getting a couple matches in. I'm always making a little time for it. And it's just always a consistent little part of my life. And I love that. I love having that that Halo back in my life. And I feel like Halo Infinite has finally gotten to a place where it, it, it's, I'm glad to have it be that game. God, Halo five. Dude, I played Mm, Halo five. Halo five is the reason why I was a B plus, like a a B average student in college that, and because I'm, I I was, I'm too lazy to get A's, but that's, that's kind of like my consistent side piece game. And the other thing I'm playing is Sonic superstars. I'm, I'm just going back and join the, the time attack mode, replaying levels, just trying to feel them out because I feel like this game just has a really smart level design. I don't have much to add that I didn't say last week. Um, it's just that I'm, I'm really just having a having a blast with this game and really wasn't expecting it because I bought Sonic Superstars basically out of a combination of two things: obligation because I love Sonic, and because it was thirty bucks and the game I actually wanted to play, Mario Wonder, is sixty bucks. And while I still very much want to play Mario Wonder, I can't wait to finally get into that. I I can't help but feel like Sonic Superstars kind of ended up satiating that need I had to like go back and play some. There's something about this time of year. I don't know what it is. I think I just always want to play like a, a fun little 2D platformer game around this time of year. Like I remember Kirby's Epic Yarn came out around this time in 2010 And that was, like, my Christmas game that year. And, like, I remember what year was New Super Mario Bros? Was that 2009? I remember New Super Mario Bros was that game for me that year. It's just, like, I I just love... There's something about, like, Christmas and a new little fun, lighthearted family kind of 2D side-scrolling platformer game that I just always like to have. And Sonic Superstars is, like, really scratching that itch. I know Mario Wonders is probably better, and I really want to play it. I'm still really itching to get to it, but I kind of feel like... If I have to hold off for now, Sonic Superstars really did give me what I was looking for. And I'm very, very satisfied with this game. So there's that. Um, On the other hand, I am starting to look towards my next game. I'm going to sunset my time with Sonic Superstars, move on to something else. But I'm trying to figure out what I need this next game to be because I'm a little torn. Like while on the one hand, I want to get Mario Wonder and just give my Switch some goddamn attention for once in its life. What I really want to do is is download either Atlas Fallen, which I will say Atlas Fallen is probably the number one game that came out in 2023 that I didn't play but really wanted to play. And it's on sale for 35 bucks right now, so I'm like really tempted to try that. But then I'm also like, no, you could go even cheaper because I really want to play Batman Arkham, like the Batman Arkham Trilogy. I have it. I bought it forever ago, and I really want to finally just play these games because I'm really anticipating... Justice League, kill the Suicide Squad, kill the, nope, nope, Suicide Squad, kill the Justice League, literally the exact opposite of what I said, um, I'm really anticipating that game, I know people aren't like high on it at all, but I just, I, I think I'm going to enjoy it a lot, and so I feel like I need to really just force myself to play this Arkham Trilogy once and for all before that game comes out, so I'm kind of leaning towards going back to Arkham Asylum, so I don't I don't know, Atlas Fallen, Mario Wonder, or Batman: Arkham Asylum. That's kind of where I'm at. It's one of these three games, and I suspect the next uh, forty-eight hours or so, I'll I'll know which one I'm going for. So, the options are free, thirty-five bucks, or sixty bucks. So, gotta fi- gotta figure out which one I want to do next. That's it for what I've been playing. That's it for what I've been eating. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know what's going on. Uh, <laughs> when did this candle get on my desk? All right, let's take a quick break and then uh, we'll get into the main news topics of the week. Um, So be back in two seconds. All right, let's jump into the news. This first one all about Bobby Kotick leaving Activision and leadership changes at Xbox. It's kind of a long one. Uh, There's a lot to this. I read through it twice already today and was like, okay, how can I trim this? But really, I feel like we just need to read through the whole thing. And you know what? We only have like three stories to talk about anyway, so why not? So let's just let's just start from the top and uh, we'll break it down. From The Verge, that's right, not VGC, The Verge. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kodak is stepping down officially on December 29, 2023. Microsoft has not appointed a direct replacement, instead has rolled a suite of Activision Blizzard executives has rolled a suite of Activision executives um, Blizzard executives, God, try try again. Including Blizzard uh, president Mikey Barra, former Xbox, Activision publishing president Rob Kostick, and the Activision Blizzard vice Pres- uh, vice chair Thomas Tipple. Under Microsoft's game content in studios president Matt Booty. So all of these heads, all these VPs, all these uh, executive suite guys will now be under Matt Booty. Codex departure comes just two months after some Xbox leadership changes that saw Sarah Bond promoted to Xbox president, leading all Xbox platform and hardware work, and Matt Booty promoted to president of game content studios, including overseeing Bethesda and ZeniMax Studios. Now Booty is getting even more responsibilities with Bethesda, Activision Blizzard, and Xbox Game Studios all under his watch. So that is a absolute massive role, and 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 let me use the exact same. Uh, uh, um, Adjectives, absolute, massive promotion from Matt Booty for him to, I mean that that is insane, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but continuing on, Microsoft is largely keeping the leadership team of Activision Blizzard in place with some executive level exceptions. Activision Blizzard chief communications officer Lulu Meservi, um, who was very vocal on Twitter during the uh, during the acquisition, uh, will will leave the company at the end of January. Interesting. Okay, so put a little uh, put a little pin in that. I'm, sorry, I'm highlighting some things. I just want to circle back to when we're done reading. Kumam Sakinini. I want to be nice and try to pronounce these names. Uh, who's vice chairman of Blizzard and King who will also depart at the end of, of December, along with Kodak and uh, Lulu Cheng. A number of Activision Blizzard executives will depart the company in March as well. So they're they're leaving losing some top talent um, at, at Activision along with Bobby Kodak. So it wasn't just a it wasn't just the main guy. Uh, Brian Bulato, Chief Administrative Officer; Julie Hodge, uh, Chief People Officer; and Armin Zera, uh, Zerza, Chief Financial Officer; and Grant Dixon, Chief Legal Officer, are all reporting to the Microsoft Gaming e- equivalents. While Thomas Tipple, Vice Chairman of Activision, will report to Matt Booty for now, he will depart Microsoft in March alongside the other Activision executives. Thomas, Brian, Julie, Grant, and Armin will all continue to help with the transition through March 2024, says Xbox Chief Phil Spencer in an internal memo obtained by The Verge. Additionally, the memo from Matt Booty announced some changes taking place at ZeniMax and Bethesda, including that Jill Braff has been named the new head of the studios. Braff worked out the integration team when Zendimax and Bethesda joined Xbox back in 2021 and will now lead the studio development team. So she's behind a huge promotion there. And now that Pete Hines is, is left Bethesda, Microsoft continues to integrate Activision Blizzard into its expanded Microsoft gaming business. And it's clear Matt Booty is now taking more responsibility than ever before. Xbox fans are now waiting to hear Microsoft's plans uh, to add Activision Games to Game Pass. Spencer previously blamed the deal's long regulatory process for having a lack of a back catalog of Activision Games available on Game Pass, warning that we'd have to wait until 2024 for news on that addition. Activision Blizzard also revealed on Twitter, ahead of the Microsoft deal closing, that Modern Warfare 3 and Diablo 4 both won't come to Game Pass in 2023. And Phil Spencer's full internal memo to the team goes as follows. Quote, Earlier today, Activision CEO Bobby Kodak formally announced that Friday, December 29th is his last day at Microsoft Gaming. Under Bobby's watch, Activision Blizzard, in its uh, many incarnations, has been an enduring pillar of video games. Whether it's Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush Saga, or a number of other titles... His teams have created beloved franchises and entertained hundreds of millions of players for decades. I'd like to thank Bobby for his invaluable contributions to the industry, his partnership in closing the Activision Blizzard acquisition, his collaboration following the close, and I wish him and his family the very best in their next chapter. With Bobby Bobby's impending departure, we are taking the next steps to align Activision Blizzard with Microsoft Gaming by making the following organizational cha- uh, changes. So he starts off with a kind of PR obligatory, like, thank you for all you've done, now we are handing the reins off. So the uh, the new organizational changes are as follows. Thomas Tipple, Rob Kostic, Mikey Barra, and Tijolf Somersad, who we just named most of, will now be all reporting to Matt Booty. The leadership teams at Activision Blizzard, Blizzard King, uh, will remain in place with no changes to the structure of how the studio and business units are run. But Brian Bolatto, the chief administrative officer, is now uh, reporting to Microsoft's uh, chief operations officer, and they go on and on. Uh, their, their CPO is um, is now is now going to uh, report to Microsoft or, or the Xbox's gaming uh, human resource person and so so on and so forth so some people who have like adjacent or similar roles will now report to people in microsoft's equivalent so it's like the activision version now reports to the xbox version and then they end uh by putting lulu cheng meserville at at the end uh, where they say that she's leaving at the end of january but she's agreed to support carrie perez the general manager of communications on a leadership transition plan for the activision blizzard community team which will report to carrie additionally human uh humam Sakini, vice chairman of Blizzard King, will depart at the end of December. And uh, he thanks them both for their service. So that right there is a very important thing to put a pin in as well. And then I'm going to read this last bit of Phil's uh, memo before we move on to Matt Booty. um, Or before we we talk about something else before we move on to Matt Booty. So Phil wraps up his little memo with, For most of you, your day-to-day work will remain much the same. It's still business as usual and bringing the most groundbreaking experiences to players around the world. At a leadership level, these changes will provide the clarity and accountability that is necessary to achieve our ambitious goals and foster a culture that is welcoming, empowering, empowering, and committed to gaming for everyone. We have an exciting 2024 lineup of gaming uh, across Activision, Blizzard, Bethesda, King, Xbox Game Studios, and I know that we all look forward to sharing more details with every player when the time is right. Phil. Alright, so before we read Matt Booty's comment, let's just talk about a little bit of this because there's a lot to get through here. First, I want to say this. So if we can rewind back to when was that 2021 when that when Matt Booty, no, when uh, Bobby Kotick and Activision are under fire by by uh, the government of California for all this uh, workplace harassment stuff and all this things like that that are going on, basically the. The word is, like, Activision's a terrible place to work. Bobby Koenig's a hor- horrible CEO. Um, this is a, a, a disgusting, trashy, miserable, um, toxic workplace environment. And so a huge uh, kind of PR impetus for Xbox, or, sorry, a, a huge uh, PR situation for Xbox to tackle when they announce a few months later that they're acquiring um, Activision is that they there's this impetus to try and, like, address the cultural needs at Activision. Talk about what Xbox can do to better them and, and, and you know why you would want to acquire a company that has been under fire for these issues as of late. And a lot of it was, hey, well, Xbox is a good place to work that has good culture and a good reputation for being a fair and equal and accepting place to work. And we will bring that to the people of Activision Blizzard and impart that positive aspect of our culture onto them so that it can be a more fair and equal place for all the pre-existing Activision Blizzard employees, right? However, it, it must also be said that a lot of these people who are leaving the company are also kind of the people that made the ship run, you know? So it's 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 like, yeah, you got Call of Duty, you got Candy Crush, you got World of Warcraft and Blizzard and all these things, but, and you got Bobby Kotick out like we all wanted, right? But it, it's important to note that it's like you're also le- you're losing all like these 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 main talent people, and on top of that, it's like Activision is such a well-oiled machine, and it is so important um, that Activision be operated by the the culture and the people it was operated by in order to maintain the thing it, it it's been able to do for the past. 15-20 years which is this annualization of, of games like Call of Duty and, and managing to hit this 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 quality benchmark every year consistently and have the best selling game of the year, year after year after year with very rare exception and um, you know, despite the various thoughts and opinions about this Call of Duty or that Call of Duty or what they've done to Activision and what it's become and how all these companies don't get to make their own games now and everyone's just a support team for Call of whatever whatever you feel and think there's no denying that a huge part of why Xbox wanted Activision was because of the the money, the attention, the, the playership, the engagement, and everything that Activision had garnered under the structure and leadership that it had established at the time of the acquisition. And there's no doubt in my mind that Xbox wants to keep that gravy train going, that operational train going exactly as it was, but you can't do that by losing half of the people at the top and by telling the rest of the people, you all report to Xbox now. And there's something just kind of inherently flawed about because on the one hand, of course, I respect and appreciate this idea that it's going to be like, Hey, everyone's going to continue to do the job. They do. They continue to do the job they did at Activision under Microsoft's ownership. But now all these higher ups report to these Xbox people. And we have a great reputation of treating our people. Well, hearing our people out, Um, blah, 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 blah. Workplace harassment's not a thing here. And that's great. But you got Bobby Kotick, Bobby Kotick and his ilk who have run the company forever. And they're all, all, all on their way out the door. And then you got Matt Booty and the team at Xbox who have arguably squandered and, and struggled for over a generation of games now to figure out. How to get the most groundbreaking games? How to manage teams to to be the best they can be? To get games out in a reasonable time frame? To to uh, push games to be that next level kind of game that's going to grab the attention of of, of a mass market and in 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 in, a, in, a, in in dominate the conversation among the gaming community? And Xbox has been anything but that. And again, I always have to preface because I'm that guy that loves the Xbox One generation. Maybe more than most people do. Like, I really love the Xbox One generation, but I, I can't sit here and lie about it. You know, it's like the world wasn't lit on fire by the Xbox game studios headed by Matt Booty or, or mostly headed by Matt Booty that put out, a, you know, a lineup of games like Halo 5, Gears 4, Gears 5. Forza, 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 and then had long gaps of like, where are the games? We need more teams. What are you working on that's new? Do? What do you have besides Halo? And what we've essentially done is acquired teams, greenlit projects. Um, still had a huge lull and, and total lack of first party support over these past few years. With you know even after the acquisition of teams like like Obsidian and Double Fine and stuff. Where it's just like, again, where are these fucking games? We get these occasional behind-the-scenes meltdown stories about like, oh, things are not okay at state of Decay developer Undead Labs and, and, and all this stuff, and all of this is still happening under Matt Booty's watch. And and while Xbox still hasn't really been able to be have the output they needed to have to make the games they needed to to make and to and to garner the respect and attention and command, you know, to command the the enthusiasm from the gaming community that they've been so desperately trying to garner. He's been promoted and promoted and promoted. And now he's over Zenimax and now he's over Activision. And it's like, well, well, hang on, man. You just gave this man ultimate power. You just gave Matt booty power over all the people who are responsible for getting a new call of duty game out each and every year. And, you know, again, say what you will about call of duty or what Activision has done to the, to those teams. But like, If you want to continue to get a new Call of Duty game out every year, I don't know that the guy who can't even get a State of Decay 3 out is the guy you want in charge at the top. And I don't mean to oversimplify things. It's not, you know, Matt Booty's not the one developing these games, but he's the one in charge of the teams and making sure that he's following up with all the the studio heads and the producers and the project leads and and making sure the games are coming along and the milestones are being met and that the teams aren't just wasting their time and spinning their wheels, working on nothing and that we aren't just, we aren't just treading old ground and that, you know, we're, we're coming up with thoughtful, new innovative games that are attainable, realistic, doable within the, Realm of realism for the team at, at task of, of creating these games, and that we're getting them within a reasonable time frame. That games are being made in a three to six year development cycle and not an eight to ten year development cycle, and not a five years later we had to cancel the game and restart and come up with something new. Because we know that <clears throat> Rare's running into some trouble with Everwild. We know that everything about the coalition or the initiative, rather, has been an absolute just fucking mind-numbing failure and that the coalition was turning its wheels trying to do a new ip and is now defaulting back to gears of war when they shouldn't have been walking away from gears of war in the first place because they just set up the fucking dominoes to do the final chapter in a trilogy and then walked away and tried to do something else for some fucking reason and undead labs has all this all this like behind the scenes uh dirty laundry that needs to be aired out and it's like and now you're giving that guy in charge of all these teams And, 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 and don't even get me started on 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 ninja theory and how they've just been allowed to make a sequel to Hellblade for 47 years and basically do nothing nothing new and have so little to show and even though we got that game teased in engine three years ago we we still can't even get a firm release date for it you know it's like it's stuff like that man and the guy who's in charge of all of these teams has now been promoted and promoted and promoted and and not just promoted but like given control and authority over, the biggest and best in the industry, and I just I just worry, I guess, that it's not that I don't think necessarily that Matt Booty can maybe prove us wrong, I don't know, maybe maybe Matt Booty's about to take the fucking gloves off and prove us all wrong, because he's been given this newer title, he's got more power, more authority, he reports to Phil Spencer, of course, but he has more autonomy, and he's more directly in charge of just the studios and not much else, or, you know, in, in nothing like not hardware or anything like that, because that's Sarah Bond's territory. And so maybe we're about to watch this man work some fucking magic and we're all about to start bowing to the feet of Matt Booty. And I hope that's the case and I hope I'm wrong about my apprehensions here. But it's like here he is and he's got been given this ultimate power. But if he can't execute on it properly and if he can't be taken seriously as the leader, he absolutely needs to be with this newfound power what do you think the people at all these many, many Activision and Blizzard teams are going to say about him? You know, what what do you think they're going to, what do you think they're going to do when they realize, Hey, Microsoft bought us Bobby Kodak and the top guys left Activision. And now we're all, now we're all taking orders from these Xbox guys. And at the top of that chain is Matt booty and things are kind of a mess. And the next call of duty is kind of unraveling and, and Activision, or as a whole is just kind of like directionless and blizzards like, what the fuck do we do next? And they don't have proper leadership and stuff. And I'm not saying that necessarily those things are going to happen, but if shit starts to hit the fan, it's going to look really, really, really obvious, really, really fast that Matt booty was not the guy for the job. And he hadn't proven himself to be the guy for the job for like 10 years. And now he's being promoted to like the man times 10. And I just, I just think it's it's kind of fucking wild because I, I understand Microsoft wants to implement their culture and but also be hands-off, but also be accepting and welcoming and, and have a sense of accountability in case there is a workplace harassment or inequality or discrimination and they want to right the wrongs of what Activision was experiencing before Microsoft announced that they were going to buy them. But, like, I don't know, man. Like, are you sure you got the right guy to hand all the keys to the kingdom too. like, cause Matt, Matt booty hasn't really, he hasn't really proven us. He really hasn't proven himself in the past. And I just don't know that. I just don't know that this was the right move. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical of it. If I'm being completely honest, and I hate to say that cause Matt booty seems like a capable guy. He seems like a good guy. He seems like a likable guy, but like I'm a little skeptical <laughs> and they just gave that guy a whole lot of fucking power. So, I guess we'll see what he does with it. But, you know, come the first of the year, a lot of important people at Activision are going to be gone. And then a few months after that, a whole lot more will follow. And I know there's a lot of transitional stuff going on right now, but you can't learn it all and master it all in a couple of weeks to a couple of months. Like, this is um, Activision is a structurally sound, well oiled machine. And Microsoft cannot just assume the roles that all these people filled and I, I don't know. I'm excited, but the good news is uh, Mikey Barrow will now report to Matt Booty again. And so basically the Xbox band is back together and you know, Rod Ferguson is there. I just, I don't know. I, I, I get, I guess really the, the main thing that I I'm saying without saying is that, Wouldn't there be people at Activision that you would want to say, hey, what's it going to take to get you to stay and become part of Team Xbox permanently? Because we need your guys' expertise and guidance because clearly you know what you're doing. You know, I I know Modern Warfare 3 sucks this year. Not every Call of Duty is wonderful, but, like, they make a lot of money and they do pretty well and they usually come out pretty polished, well-packaged, you know, well-fully-fleshed-out packages, uh, these games, and people responsible for making that happen, like you could, you might want to put them in charge of, uh, of not only keeping them in charge of, of of these Activision teams, but maybe put them in charge of your Xbox teams. Maybe we could get a Fable game out of Playground Games in under twenty five years if we had, if we had that 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 Activision leadership, you know, in charge of Xbox rather than putting the Xbox leadership in charge of Activision, you know. And before I read the Matt Booty um, memo to employees, I did just want to point out. The absolute hypocrisy of Lulu Ching Meservi, who um, just totally embodies everything I hate about this freaking, like, online Twitter fanboy, like, Team Xbox bleed green kind of community where she was, you know, literally didn't give a shit about Xbox, was... Was very aggressive on Twitter about constantly tweeting about why Sony's evil, why the FTC isn't 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 considering all the facts, and why they're wrong and they're making a mistake by not approving Activision Blizzard King. She's clearly in this in group of of top executives along with Bobby Kotick, who were just here to see to it that this deal went through so she could get her fucking fat stack of cash and 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 walk away with the legacy of having run a successful Activision for many years. While also becoming um, it's insanely disgustingly wealthy off of Microsoft's money following a successful sale of Activision Blizzard to Xbox to Microsoft. And um, I mean, it's made so fucking apparent, by the way. Like, for the past year, she's just been on Twitter all day, just like, here's what's wrong with everything the European Union has to say. The, the you know, uh. Here's why PlayStation doesn't care about gamers and doesn't care about a, a world where game where gamers have more accessibility to great games. Here's why Microsoft and Activision absolutely need to join forces, and while it will only empower gamers to be stronger and better than before. And it was so cringy too, because she got like that that fucking corporate headshot where she's wearing her suit. And she looks all official, and then all her replies to all her tweets. You know, she's like this fucking wealthy ass executive who doesn't know or give a shit about anything gaming related she just she just works here and is good at her job and all her twitter replies would just be these fucking like weird fucking Twitter egg people remember Twitter eggs. When people's profile pictures with the egg, that's basically equivalent of these fucking Xbox profile people where the, their little profile pictures, like the Xbox logo or like their Xbox avatar jerking off Phil Spencer or some shit like that, where it's like, they're just like, yes, Lulu, you understand, you understand gaming. You understand that Diablo four was always meant to be an Xbox game, but placed evil, awful PlayStation in the European union are the real issue. Fuck out of here, dude. Cause this, this fucking girl, Made her goddamn money, the deal went through, she did her job, she did it damn well, and now she's about to walk out the fucking building along with Bobby Kotick and all the top people with her fat fucking stacks, and Activision's gonna be whatever the fuck it is under Xbox's leadership with Matt Booty at the helm, bye. It's just fucking gross. Like the, the weird parasocial cucking to corporate executives that these gross little Xbox fanboys... Click on my, my YouTube page where every week we go over the hard-hitting facts about what's going on in the world of Xbox and why PlayStation is just fucking wrong. These stupid ponies don't understand it. And thankfully, Lulu Cheng Meservi is looking out for us Xbox fans. Xbox Nation, can I get a shout-out? These fucking... Gross. You're Gross. She's gross, Bobby Kodak's gross, corporate executives are gross, but you know what's not gross? Denny's, the Grand Slam, is still a wonderful value as the economy worsens. I mean, can you find the better value in all of in all of American dining? I don't fucking think so. But anyway, let's move on. Bo- uh, I almost said Bobby Kodak. Matt Booty, he's got his own memo, not to be outdone by Phil Spencer. He's got his own memo for employees. It's, it's shorter, it's snappier, and I think it's a little more... There's a little more we can glean off of by reading this. So let's finish up with Matt Booty's uh, internal statement here, his little memo, and then uh, we'll move on to the rest of the news. Matt says, quote, Today we are delighted to welcome the talented gaming development teams from Activision Publishing, Blizzard, and King to our game studios and content organization. Together with Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda, our studios organization... We'll continue our mission to build world-class games that entertain and inspire players for blah, 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 create lasting communities. In addition, today we're announcing Jill Braff as head of the ZeniMax Bethesda Studios. Jill has a wealth of experience in games and entertainment with the previous roles of Nintendo, Sega, Glue Mobile, Home Shopping Network, and Warner Bros. building an online and marketing business for Ellen DeGeneres' show. (laughs) She was our leader for the integration work with ZeniMax Bethesda when we joined Xbox. And through that work, she's come uh, to know many of their teams and leaders as well. Jill will be responsible for leading the ZeniMax Bethesda game development team, which will continue to operate as a limited integration and uh, and entities, as well as continue to oversee the Microsoft casual gaming team. Reporting to Jill will be Todd Howard, Todd Vaughn, Matt uh, Firer, Paul Jensen, and Heather Cooper. Uh, Jamie uh, Jamie Jamie Letter will remain in his role as CEO of ZeniMax Bethesda, reporting to me, Matt Booty, the man in charge, and will continue to support. He didn't say that part, And will continue to support the ongoing integration work to support the development of ZeniMax Bethesda portfolio of games. Robert Gray uh, and Timothy Beggs uh, will move to report to Todd Vaughn. All right, that means nothing to most of us, so let's continue on with this last part here that does matter, where he says. Building on the successful launch of Starfield and all the ZeniMax Bethesda studios are poised to create some of the most exciting and innovative games in the industry, I'm confident that Jill's leadership and support of the teams, along with the proven ability to build meaningful bridges back to Xbox, will further empower everyone at Bethesda to bring amazing experiences to our players. I want to thank each of you for your hard work. I'm excited for 2024, Slated Games, together we create amazing games, empower players, Matt, whatever. So the important thing here, because because Phil's memo is very much about like, hey, here's the leadership shakeup with Activision. And Matt's very much like, hey, here's a leadership shakeup with Bethesda. Remember, Matt's been heading over Bethesda for a couple months since his uh, since his change in in, in, uh, in leadership. And it seems like what's happening here is, you know, Phil Spencer is basically kind of coming out and being like with Activision, we're going to have kind of a more immediate and obvious hands-on approach of like integrating the Activision Blizzard family into the Xbox games team whereas with you know since 2021 when the deal was done Bethesda's had kind of a uh a an arms length kind of relationship with Xbox where it's like Xbox own you know Microsoft owns Bethesda uh, and Zenimax but you know Bethesda and Zenimax kind of operate independently and do their thing in a in a way and what it seems like is Activision isn't getting that, I, I guess, because Activision's losing so much of its top leadership right off the bat that it has to kind of be integrated more immediately into Xbox. But with that, and maybe with the lessons learned of Starfield or, or just two years of, of, of owning ZeniMax and Bethesda, um, it seems like the, the plan now is to, kind of do something similar with with Bethesda where it seems like Bethesda is slowly but surely becoming more controlled by and integrated with Xbox games game publishing Xbox game studios and and Microsoft's gaming uh, leadership so it it does seem a little interesting in that in that sense that there's a little more direct responding and Xbox kind of appointing people to do this and that I mean hey it makes sense your Xbox you spent eight billion dollars on Bethesda of course you're gonna have some kind of leadership you're gonna have some kind of say in the matter and you're gonna have some kind of um some kind of way you're gonna uh uh, lead armies and appoint people to be in in positions of power but it just seems like uh you know we get a little taste of phil spencer being like hey activision people you're gonna you're gonna report to bobby or to matt booty um but here here's where all where all y'all are going and how that's changing and then matt it's kind of doing the mini-me version of that by being like, okay, I'm going to try to have that same kind of memo, but with the team we've already been in charge of for two years, um, and here's the way all that's getting shaken up. But in both cases, there is more of an overarching, controlling Xbox or Microsoft gaming initiative over these umbrella publishers, which I actually, this is actually something I've been saying Xbox needs to do um, in a way, because I think over time, especially with Activision, I think Activision as a brand doesn't really, stand to benefit X- xbox all that much i feel like you could get rid of that at, at a certain point i mean call of duty is the brand from activision that matters you know um blizzard matters and all their ip but not not so much activision and i feel like maybe Zenimax is one of those names as well um maybe bethesda you know bethesda game studios is an independent name that stands strong on its own but i feel like you need to slowly start to integrate these things more and more into xbox where it's less of like a you know like a, a Disney and Pixar and more of just like a a Disney kind of thing, right? So it's not like Xbox and Bethesda and Activision. It Just needs to be like Xbox. Although I think you could have like Xbox and Bethesda and and uh, Blizzard. I guess I don't know. I just feel like uh, you don't want to have so many massive entities that are so distinctively different from one another that operate uh, so independently of one another to the point where it's like what even what even is the dynamic of how these things are operated and run by the same company if they're all so foreign from one another so there's got to be some kind of coherency and through line to all of it and i feel like uh, kind of moving activision more into the xbox umbrella is, is part of that anyway um that's all i have to say on this for now um obviously this is you know it's no surprise bobby cox leaving good riddance um I'm, I'm glad that they didn't find some way to keep extending him out and keeping him there forever and ever and ever. But as someone who's very excited about the next couple of Call of Duties because uh, because we got some Black Ops and Treyarch um, content on the way and in the works, I'm also very apprehensive and nervous about the future of Activision Blizzard because I don't fully trust that Xbox and Xbox leadership have what it takes to carry out the task that previous Activision leadership um We're capable of doing him, but, you know, whatever. That's a wait-to-be-seen kind of moment. All right. Let's real quick talk about a couple other news stories before we round out for the night. Uh, PlayStation 5 outselling Xbox. So, from VGC, we got another story here. PlayStation 5 outsold the Xbox Series consoles by almost 3 to 1 this year, according to an estimate from research firm Amper uh, Analysis. It told the Financial Times that the sales of Sony's console were up about 65% to 22.5 million units this year. In comparison, the annual Xbox Series S and X sales reportedly declined by 15% this year um, to 7.6 million, while the sales of Nintendo's aging Switch console fell 18% 18 to 16.4 million units this year. The data was provided uh, to coincide with Sony's announcement that PlayStation 5 had cleared 50 million units uh, sold since launch in November of 2020, the console reached an estimated milestone just one week slower than PlayStation 4, despite having uh, contended with a significant COVID-related supply issue, which have now been overcome. So PlayStation 5 reached 50 million units sold year, uh, lifetime at this point. One week slower than PS4 did, but PS5 dealt with that year and a half to two years of, I can't find a PS5 anywhere because of COVID and, and production delays. It's insanely impressive. Meanwhile, Xbox sales are down 15%, and the estimate is that PlayStation is outselling it three to one. I think the uh, estimates, I think the estimates right now for Xbox is that the Series consoles combined is somewhere around like 22 to 25 million units, and that like three something like like 70% of those consoles are Series S's. So that means like like. That's insane. I mean, that means, like, maybe 6 million people, 5 or 6 million people have an Xbox Series X. Like, that's... I find that almost impossible to believe. Like, it just sounds like such a freaking low percentage of people. But, man, this is that thing, man. It's just that we live in our, our little our little bubble where we're so in, ingrained in, like, the, in the gaming space and the gaming community and games media and news and all that. But, like, you look at the world around you, it's like PlayStation is destroying Xbox so badly it's not even funny and you know Xbox does does well makes money it's profitable it's a good business Microsoft looks at and goes hey it makes money but like oh my god compared to its next competition it is it is it is becoming increasingly kind of a joke and I don't I don't it just always comes back to that quote from that kind of funny interview that Phil Spencer did right we lost the most important generation in the Xbox One everyone built their their gaming profile and their ecosystem and their library um, that that generation. And now they're kind of stuck with their platform of choice because that's where their digital life is 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 located. And it's so true because even though the Series X and S are, you know, more marketable, more agreeable, you know, better hardware than what came before, even though so far Xbox Series S and X have had um, some pretty good, you know, first party games thus far in its lifespan. It's just it's not moving the needle and Xbox is doing worse at this point than it was doing with the Xbox one it's just it's it's so rough and um, it's gonna take I don't know man like I, I, I want to say I really do believe at the end of the day that it is all about killer apps and the best games and all that but it's going to take so many groundbreaking games in a consistent on a consistent basis from Xbox In order to really start to eat into Sony's market share, I mean, I I mean, it's got to be like, it's got to be like, like Fable's got to hit, then Avowed's got to hit, then Hellblade's got to hit, and and these games got to be like really great. Not like, oh, it's a good game. It's got to be like, they got to be great. They got to be games that get so much attention, like Spider-Man got, like Baldur's Gate got. They can't be games like Starfield where they do well, but there's a lot of controversy surrounding them. They just have to do very, very well, and there can't be like a year lull between big releases there can't be these long six eight ten month release like lulls like they gotta have something noteworthy and big every 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 three months or so you know it's like if redfall and starfield absolutely just dist- like just stuck the landing so well i think this year could have been an example of that you know you had forza and starfield and redfall and um and uh hi-fi rush and you know, if all all those games got the same amount of love and respect and hype that a game like Hi-Fi Rush got, then, you know, maybe we'd be singing a different tune. But it's like you, you can't have Hi-Fi Rush is excellent. Redfall is a disaster. Starfield is good, but it feels old and kind of, you know, like something we've seen and done before. Uh, Forza is really good, but missing some content at launch. You can't have that narrative. It has to be, boom, this is great, boom, this is great, boom, this is great, boom, this is great. And you got to keep hitting on – firing on all cylinders – And hitting at a consistent uh, at a consistent pace, uh, because otherwise there's just you know PlayStation people aren't going to move consoles or they're not going to pay attention to Xbox because you released one good game or because you released a good game and then a few years later you had another good game or you know or because Game Pass just so happens to be the best value. It's like you need you need a consistent stream of great games to back it up. And they're positioned to do so well now because they have so many teams. PlayStation's in such a weird position right now where they, they've they announced nothing. There's nothing going on on PlayStation. Like, now is the fucking time to strike. The iron is so hot. But I, I just don't know what will ever do it for them other than absolute banger after banger after banger with great timing in between releases. And that is just such a specific and impossible task. And I just don't know that it can be done. All right, our final story This week is actually more of a PlayStation story, but there are some uh, there's some implications for Xbox as a result of this information. So um, unless you're living under a rock this week, there was massive leaks at uh, PlayStation to PlayStation developer Insomniac Games because some ransomware company or whatever got a hold of all this data um, and and held all the data ransom for two million dollars, told Sony and Insomniac to pay up or they're going to release all this data. Uh, No one did anything, so they released the data. And so now all this footage of uh, Insomniac's upcoming Wolverine game have been leaked and all this information about internal stuff at PlayStation, uh, personal employee information data. It's really, really god-awful, terrible stuff. Uh, Mostly, you know, the way this is affecting developers and people's personal information that are getting out there. Um, Obviously, a really shitty situation um, for Insomniac and the people over there. Um, But with this news, we got... Some you know with all these leaks, we got some interesting little tidbits here that I feel like we should go over a little bit. Um, at, you know, in, in specifically keying on in on the things that pertain to Xbox or affect Xbox. So along with the uh the 1.7 terabytes of studio files that were um that were dumped online, you know, among all that part of part of the uh, the, the files and the documents um, was licensing details on this Marvel X Men game, which Insomniac. Um, seems to be working on, um, you know, so they're working on a Wolverine game Insomniac like, they made these Spider-Man games. They're working on a Wolverine game, but now it seems like according to these licensing documents that they might also be down the road working on an X-Men game and that maybe it's a Wolverine game. And then that leads into an X-Men game as like the sequel. Uh, but according to these terms and conditions that have worked out with Disney, um, in in Windows Central's view, the story comes this this story comes by way of Windows Central. Um, Insomniac Games is given full license to work on X Men games through December thirty first of twenty thirty five. So basically, until twenty thirty six, Marvel cannot announce or say anything about new X Men games coming to other consoles like like Xbox. Um, it, it's basically only for PlayStation. Um, so. Uh, The contract does say that during this time, X-Men characters are allowed to be used in multi-family team-up games like Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy. But X-Men characters cannot be used as a competitive advantage for Xbox, such as having Wolverine exclusively available for an Xbox version of a game. Um, Xbox console fans should understand that this is not just Wolverine. Heading exclusively to PlayStation 5, it's uh, an x men focus game, so it seems like they're going to be working with X-Men for a while. While these games will obviously be on PC as well um they 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 will clearly not be coming to Xbox so this is a, a this is bad news for Xbox cuz not that we were expecting this Wolverine game to come to Xbox in the first place but it's just that yeah for the next uh, 13 fucking years we're basically guaranteed to not be able to get any X men or or uh, yeah any X men game for Xbox which is kind of just so so stupid that we're hoarding off these IP although I guess what would you expect else otherwise i mean was anyone expecting a Spider-Man game to come to Xbox anytime in the near future? No. Um, but with that, not not only that, but, you know, it starts to make you wonder about what are the terms and conditions for, like, Indiana Jones or for Blade. And does that mean that, like, an Indiana Jones game can't be on PlayStation for the next 10 to 15 years? Does that mean that Blade can never come to PlayStation? Or do they have different contracts worked, worked out because Xbox is such a distant third place to PlayStation? Or well, like, how, how does that work? So, you know, raises all sorts of questions. And then in addition to that, uh, Windows Central also shares that um, separate from just the X-Men and Insomniac stuff, um, Sony allegedly goes into detail about how they view Microsoft's position moving forward, which is in this leaked data uh, described by Sony as the leapfrog. They have a slide of, of internal information that details uh, and this, and this is information back from during the... Um, During the acquisition of Activision Blizzard where Sony's internal slide details how Microsoft is aiming to build more of a mobile game store to compete with Apple and Google and uh, in that they detail Microsoft having Game Pass and and um, and having Activision and Call of Duty as uh, as being as being something that could leapfrog PlayStation in their new initiatives to focus more on live service games and expanding to streaming and mobile and PC and so they, they viewed Xbox as kind of a threat. They said um, Sony's strategic pillars seem to detail an intent to eventually launch games more quickly, even on Windows PCs as part of its multi-platform pillar. And that um, and that Sony's pillars as they stand currently are dated and that Microsoft's uh, Microsoft's growing service game portfolio now that they not only have Halo and sea of Thieves and Minecraft, but are gonna get Call of Duty, um, puts Sony in a position where they need to respond. Uh, and and where they need to uh, where they need to catch up because they're being leapfrogged by by Xbox. So this is really interesting to see. It explains a lot about where PlayStation is. Where they're not announcing games. They just canceled their Last of Us multiplayer game. Destiny's having some issues. Or Bungie's having some issues as a whole. And there's kind of like this panic at Sony, where it's like nothing's being said. What are they working on? Why aren't they talking? Why aren't they talking? Where are these games? They got all these weird live service initiatives in the works that we know about but we don't know the details of and it just seems like even though Sony's on top they're currently trying to figure out how to become a little bit more like Xbox in a way while Xbox is trying to compete with PlayStation it's kind of crazy they both need the opposite of what they have PlayStation needs more more companies more brands more live service games more platforms and things like that Xbox needs more high-quality games that just get the attention of people, and if whatever team can get the the missing piece of the puzzle before the other guy gets it, will have the ability to either you know if you're Sony maintain your dominance in the space, or if you're Xbox, finally hopefully start to make some uh, make some ground in in this in this uh, in this um, in this console sales war where Sony is just completely blowing away Microsoft with uh, console sales and people are just flocking to PlayStation and abandoning Xbox. So it's kind of crazy to hear Sony in, in their own internal documents, uh, like acknowledge that this is such an issue for them and a fear that Xbox has some kind of position of power or, or is a, uh, you know, is becoming something of a threat to them, which is just kind of seems unheard of. It's not like the Sony we're used to seeing, right? All right. I'm going to have to start wrapping up because um, man, this, uh, this cold is getting bad and I'm losing my voice. So I just got to, just got to wrap it up. So that's going to do it for all the big news this this week, you guys. Let's end on a couple of uh, quick, important enough news stories, important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warn their own discussions. Uh, real quick from VGC, Dead Space co-creator Glenn Schofield has, ple- has uh, teased plans to announce a new project next year. The former Sledgehammer Games, Visceral Games manager left uh, recently his new studio, Striking Distance early in the year after the Callisto protocol failed to meet expectations, but now we'll learn about their next project next year, whatever, wherever he's going to work and whatever he's working on. Next up, VGC reports suicide squad, killer justice leagues, Epic game stores release date has been delayed by one month. will now come out March 5th. However, the Xbox and steam version of the game will still be released on uh, February 2nd of 2024, which I'm very excited for that game. I know you're not supposed to like that game, but I I think it looks good. I'm, I'm excited for it. So, all right, that is it for all of our news this week. You guys, let's round out the podcast with the best section, the best segment, the best part of the show, the comments, the shout outs. You head on over to youtube.com slash Xbox on podcast. That's Xbox on podcast at youtube.com. Click on next episode of the podcast and drop a comment. You say anything you want to say. I don't really give a shit what the hell you say on there. We will read it on the podcast. We'll read it in detail. Bear all. We will. We will. We will bear you in our in our arms. Um, so say say it here and say it loud and proud. And we'll, we'll feature you on the show. Uh, we got a couple of writings this week, but uh, oh, one one quick thing. I do just want to reiterate one last time. Next week's episode is the game of the year episode, December twenty eighth. Final episode of the year. A lot of you guys already wrote in with your top five favorite games of the year. I appreciate that but I just want to put it out there one more time. If you would like to participate, leave a comment over the next week. Um, Your top five favorite games that you played in 2023. Doesn't have to be on Xbox, could be on Xbox. Doesn't have to be a game released in 2023. Could be a game released in 1997. I don't give a shit. Just drop your top five favorite games you played. Write a little bit about them if you'd like to, or just put the five games and be done with it. It's totally up to you, and then we will read those all on next week's podcast. I look forward to it, so thank you. All right, our first comment this week comes from none other than Dead Captain James, who writes in regarding his year in Xbox recap and says, Just checked my Xbox recap. I'm glad they count PC Game Pass games as hours, too. I've exclusively swapped over to PC now. I had 606 hours total, with Monster Hunter Rise having 202 of those hours. 83% action adventure. That is insane, Dead Captain James. First of all, impressive hours, impressive stats. That's cool shit. But I am disheartened to hear that you have left us on Team Xbox for the PC. Just kidding, of course. I'm glad you enjoyed your games. Glad you had some fun this year. And uh, nice. Monster Hunter Rise, 202 hours. Shout out, man. It's good stuff. All right. Kronky writes in uh, about the house with stairs debate. And he says, Because this is an Xbox podcast, I want to comment on a small discussion you had last week on liking stairs in a house. I disagree firmly. Stairs are awful. They are a death trap in a house. Imagine if there's a loud noise that spooks you while you're on them or you don't pay attention. You misjudge where your foot is or you are sick and struggling to walk or there's just too many ways for them to turn deadly. They are a necessary evil because space is limited, but an evil nonetheless. Hashtag beware the stairs. Um, here's the thing, Kronky. Those are all good points, and I thought about all of them. You know, what if you break your leg? How do you get up and down the stairs? That sucks. Yeah. What if you're elderly? How do you get up and down the stairs? That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. What if you trip and fall down the stairs? That fucking sucks. Yeah, it fu- it really does. You're right. But that's like saying we shouldn't have cars. They're dangerous. People die in car accidents. Yeah, they do. It sucks. But cars are awesome. Stairs are awesome. I stand, I, I'm on team stairs. And, you know, among the many, many things I take issue with since I've moved to Florida and just been like, why the hell are things the way they are here? Um, Chief among them for me has been the fact that in Florida, the overwhelming majority of homes do not have stairs. It is very uncommon for a house in Florida to have stairs. And it's driven me crazy uh, these past few years as I've thought about and then entered into the housing market and tried to acquire up my first house because I don't want to live on a one story home. I really wanted two floors. I really wanted stairs because to me, it ma- it matters. It, there's a compartmentalization, and in this house especially, it feels it feels very um very much so like that that compartmentalization because you you got you got the bottom floor which is all about the living room, and the entryway, and the kitchen, and the dining room. And you got the top floor which is all about the bedrooms and the bathrooms and the offices and the loft and all that stuff. And it's very important, especially in this house. It's nice because we we went with the stock floors. We didn't like upgrade our floors or anything. So our bottom floor is just this, it's like this nice white tile. And then the stairs on the top floor is all carpeted. So it feels like extra that way. Like if I go downstairs and the cold tile is there, the cold hard tile in the, the living rooms there and the couch is there and the kitchen's there. It's like, okay, I'm in this, this space, this, this part of the house. And then I, I touch the nice soft carpeted stairs. I go upstairs. I'm in my office. I'm in my bedroom, whatever the case may be. Now it's like I'm in the cozy dwelling spaces. I'm in the place where you go to sleep. I'm in the place where you go sit at your desk and get the work done. It just feels like you have a lot more of like a definitive location for each task. The one for entertainment, the one for work, the one for rest and, and, and rejuvenation, the one for shitting, you know? And I love that. I feel like stairs play a big role in creating that. That uh, that, that It's like... um. Think of it like when you're in a video game and you have to you have to like fast travel. You have to fast travel from from like the city to the to the wildlands, or like from a build one building to the outside. And 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 the thing that divides it is a loading screen. Like stairs are like the loading screen that take you from the snowy level to the sandy level, or the grassy level to the fiery level. It's like that's what that's why you need stairs in a house. It's the thing that separates the different levels, literally and figuratively. And so I understand that there are inherent risks with stairs and that they're not for everyone and that they can be dangerous and I understand I guess in Florida the reason no one has stairs is because hot air rises so it makes AC bills more expensive and an already overbearingly hot state and two Florida is the state of retirees and old people can't stairs so I assume that's the reason why no home in Florida has stairs but to all of that and to your your warnings and your in your uh, issues with stairs I say, Fuck you. Stairs are great. I love them. It's a nice little workout getting up and down them sometimes. And I, and I just love that right now. I'm in my office. I'm recording Xbox on. I feel a world away from the kitchen where I made a salad just an hour and a half ago. And I like that. If everything was on one story, I'd open up my office door look down a hallway. And it's like, yep, there's the master bedroom, living room, kitchen, everything all in one. For some people, that's nice. It's convenient. You know what to do as much traveling. It's not as much a pain in the ass. You know, if you get in your bedroom and you lay in bed, and you're like, "Ah, oh, fuck! I forgot to uh, I don't, I don't know, your OCD, and you're like, I forgot to turn off the stove, right?" And you have to run back to the kitchen. I get it. Super convenient in a one-story house because you walk outside your room, everything's right there. In a two-story house, you got to work a little harder to do things. You know, got to got to go downstairs, make sure you set the alarm, make sure you close the window, make sure you um, make sure you you left out fresh food for the cat. I don't know, it's a bitch. You got to go downstairs, but. The best things in life don't come easy and are worth the trouble. So, Cronky, I say to you, instead of hashtag beware the stairs, hashtag uh, bear the stairs. Bear it. Bear these stairs. They deserve to be bared. Fuck you. Anyway, physical slash digital Tim R writes in and says, at the risk of sounding like that guy who's overly concerned with physical games, it's frustrating that full price for digital versions of the same price as or, or sorry it is frustrating that full price get, to pay full price for digital versions of the games that are the same price as the physical ones I was thinking about it lately because it seems odd to me that when companies wouldn't use this as a way to incentivize customers to move to digital so I saw I saw Mike Clark wrote in you guys had a little kind of like back and forth on this explaining it and I think uh, I think Mike Clark is kind of I'm kind of on a similar pages. Actually, let me just read what he wrote to you because um, I think he kind of wraps up nicely where he says gaming in general is bigger than at any time in history. Um, they have no incentive to give customers anything. So we get less with every passing generation, including day one buggy games. And now those games um, are celebrated slash awarded for being fixed months or even years after release. Just my two cents. While, while I agree with the lawyer sentiment, uh, the, the, big thing here that I think is that they don't have to give you any incentive. The truth of the matter is that plain and simple and, and, and listen, I'm always on team like, Hey, let's find a way to, uh, rag on the corporations and, and, and hold them accountable and, and, and do some shit talk. But game development has become more expensive than ever before. It's just, the, it's just the truth. Games are extremely expensive to make risks on making games are extremely higher than ever before. And by selling a game on a platform, when, when Xbox sells you a game on a platform, especially a first-party game, they make 100% of the money. And so digital sales are kind of helping make up the income loss <clears throat> that that these publishers experience by not raising the prices on games and continuing to sell physical copies at brick-and-mortar stores where they have to pay for the distribution, the manufacturing of discs, the shipping of games, uh, the the retail cut that Walmart or Best Buy or whoever gets when you buy a game at their store. They have to offset those costs. And a lot of times it's the digital consumer that is helping offset that cost by paying the same amount of money to get a game that is all digital, where the the publisher makes 100% of the proceeds in the case of like a first party game. Now, in the case of a third party game, it's different. You know, like Call of Duty might, you know, Activision might get, 80% or or 85% of a copy sold and Microsoft might take 10 to 15% because it was bought on the Xbox storefront or, you know, a game like far cry six gets sold and maybe Ubisoft gets 70% of the cut and then Xbox gets 30% of the cut or something like that. So it's not always exactly like that, but it's just a way to, in a large sense, it helps counter the fact that game prices have needed to go up for a long time uh, because games are so expensive to make. And, by being able to make more money off of digital games as digital um, it becomes a more common way for people to consume games, it has helped to offset the need to raise prices on games. So that's one part. Uh, that's one way to look at it. And yeah. And yeah, another way is just that um, you, you, you would burn the hell out of your, out of your partners, your retail partners so fast. If you did that, like imagine, imagine what that relationship between GameStop and Xbox looks like. If it's like, you motherfuckers, you know, Halo seven's coming out and it's a, it's a $55 or it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a $65 game. If you download it on the Xbox storefront, but it's a $70 game. If you buy it at GameStop, like that's, that's bullshit. Like you're just, cause, cause GameStop can't undercut, you know, if um, you know, if GameStop carries a new $70 game, they got to pay like 60 some odd dollars to get that game in the first place. They make they make a, a, a small profit off of the sale of that game. And so, you know, Microsoft's not going to sell that game cheaper and they and they can't afford to undercut by selling it for less. So it becomes one of those things where it's like you immediately burn Target and Best Buy and Walmart and GameStop and all these vendors when you go, oh, yeah, yeah, games are all 5 to $10 cheaper if you download them on a storefront instead of buying out of a brick-and-mortar store because now you're starting to hurt your partners that you're supposed to work with. And while I guess in theory you don't really technically need a good relationship with those brick and mortar stores because digital is the way of the future and it's where the most people have already headed and where more people are heading right now, the truth of the matter is you don't want to burn bridges with those people because you still want shelf space and advertisement space and you want to sell your consoles and your controllers and we're not totally in an all-digital world just yet, so you don't necessarily want to risk – you know losing shelf space at at your local target and things like that so it's it's a couple things it's about offsetting the increased price of game development it's about keeping good relationships with your amazons and 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 targets and walmarts you know and all these things and it's about you know yeah to some extent it's about what mike clark says they don't have to give you an incentive you're not owed anything if they can make money why the fuck when they make that money so yeah it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column b you can look at it cynically optimistically, um, logistically. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to look at it and make sense of it, but I I don't see a world where anyone would do the nice thing for the consumer, especially if there's no legal, legal bearing that, that, that makes them have to do so. So Tim R, I'm sorry. We can't be idealistic. We can't be, we we can't think about, wouldn't it be nice? Because the answer is no, it it literally couldn't be nice. Would it be nice? Yes. Could it be nice? No. Timar, I hope you're having a great week. And Mike Clark, you as well. Thank you guys for writing in. Our final comment of the week comes from Headhunting Halo, sexy man. He says, uh, "It's a sad week indeed. No more E3. I will always remember waking up to the Microsoft uh, Day of E3 and cook and cooking food and hanging out around the TV all day, rewatching trailers and getting hyped. Sucked in. Uh, sucks that all of that is gone now. By the way, Doritos is making a nacho flavor liquor. Yuck." That is, a, that is repulsive that is repulsive to think about a nacho-flavored liquor. I, I don't want to think about any drink that is cheese-flavored, so kill that thought. Yeah, man, That that is the one thing about E3 that I will lament. And it hasn't really been the same for the last couple of years of E3, but it is certainly gone now. And <clears throat> I think this year really cemented it for me because this was the year where we all kind of knew, like, that's it, E3 is dead. And Summer Game Fest, I think, it's just so kind of boring, generally. It's, like, long. It's not really fun to watch. Like, good announcements are made during it, but it's not, like, exciting the way E3 is exciting. And I just lament the fact that it's, like, the way we get this news is so... It's so, like, spread out and not eventful and not fun anymore. And there's something that is definitely lost. And while the way we do it nowadays makes more sense... and doesn't make sense to stop the whole games industry and be like everybody on june 9th we all have to be here the same day and make sure you have a really good build builder your game ready to go and make sure you spend millions of dollars on advertisement space and sending all your teams out here to be at this convention and do all the like it doesn't make sense anymore especially in a world where games are so tedious to make and every game is always getting delayed left and right and we need all the time we can get it doesn't make sense it's way smarter for an xbox or a playstation or someone to control the marketing and just be like hey we have a digital showcase in a couple of weeks we're going to show you that's that's it it's way cheaper it's way easier on your teams and it's logistically way smarter to do that and it works but that being said i am very grateful as it seems like you are as well um to be from a generation where we're all going to grow up and remember what it was like to wake up on like june 7 2008 or whatever you know whatever day it was and be like ah oh, today's Today's the fucking Xbox E3 press conference. I can't freaking wait. And I feel like so many of us have those memories. Like, order a pizza, it's E3. You know, like, oh, man, my friend's coming over. We're going to watch the, the the showcase together, you know, and stuff like that. And, like, I'm so glad to be a part of, you know, to have been brought up during that time. Because I've been glued to the fucking TV watching E3 like that. I mean, since I was a wee lad, I was born in 95. And I was probably E3 hooked as early as 2003, I want to say so like I'm I'm so grateful that that was um that that was my upbringing in the world I got to grow up in and I I definitely feel sad for like the kids coming up who are going to be like big hardcore gamers and they're going to be like yeah I remember being 6 years old and watching um some internet troll get up on stage and threaten to kill Jeff Keighley at the Game Awards or some or some shit like that and it's like oh man you'll never you'll never know you'll never know what it was like and that sucks because it was something special, but unfortunately it served its purpose. It's time has come. And now we move on to a, uh, ever increasing all digital future where nothing ever happens and no one ever goes anywhere in person anymore. And, um, that's that. Remember that one time the Xbox 360 slim came out in 2010 and everyone in the room got an Xbox 360 slim that day. That was the most Oprah thing Xbox ever did, but thank you for writing in headhunting Halo. Thank you everyone for writing in. And that's going to do it for our podcast this week. I am, uh, I'm losing my voice, so I'm just going to sign off right now. But uh, have a wonderful week. You guys, if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you celebrate something other than Christmas, have a great day. Happy, merry, whatever it is for you. Um, we'll meet next week on the 28th. I can't wait to hear uh, from all you guys. Go over our top five favorite games of the year. Very much looking forward to the last episode of Xbox On for the year. And then, of course, 52 more episodes next year. So thank you all for your time. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Play some good games. Enjoy some good food. Enjoy time with families. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your holidays. And until next week, power your dreams.